Hey everybody and welcome to the Sunny 16 podcast. Uh, my name is Aid, and we have got a cracking show for you tonight. And Graham just announced before we hit the big red record button that he was going to snort a mini jammy dodger. <laughs> we're trying to get trying to get video of that. Um, uh, other than that, actually, people on my screen are looking variously rather sophisticated and like some super ex- exciting special guests. Um, first of all, Claire, how are you doing? I'm very good. Thanks, Aid. Always nice to be here. And um, thank you for sending me a copy of your new zine. Oh, well, you're Which is welcome. called Smithereens, which arrived today. So thank you for that. No, you're you're welcome. I will de- very definitely uh, be glad to hear what you think about it. In fact, there's yeah. like a QR code on the back of it it's for people to give feedback. So it just sends a little email to me. So, uh, yeah, really keen because this is my first one. So definitely keen to oh, get well. feedback. And I enjoyed yeah. reading about your grandmother at the front calling you doings or something. <laughs> she was, yeah, she, uh, uh, God bless her. Uh, she left us a while back now, years and years ago. Um, mm-hmm. But a later day, she couldn't really remember everybody's names. And she just used to call me doings. I think it's a Scouse thing. Like she she grew up in Liverpool like, and, and lived her heart. Like she was proper through and through Liverpudlian, but uh, mm-hmm. She was, she was dead proud of herself. This will mean something to Rach and to all of our Liverpudlian lessons. She was very proud of herself because she worked on a, a on the, uh, the one of the beauty counters at Lewis's. Oh yeah. Which, which in back back in her day, which would have been probably the nineteen thirties, nineteen yeah nineteen thirties was was a big thing to be, uh, to be on the on the on the uh, the makeup or perfume counter or whatever it was at Lewis's department store in Liverpool. So, mm. yes. Sorry, this is not a podcast about my nano, is it? <laughs> as interesting to everybody as that would be. <laughs> Rachel, how are you doing? Oh, is that to me? Sorry, yeah. Yeah, Rachel, how are you? Yeah, I'm I'm okay, thank you. Yes. Um the uh the chaos continues, but um as as to be expected, and I only very brief my my um uh, zine from you also arrived today, Aid. So that was lovely. That like around the country we've had and and uh, well, I'll class that as the UK. Various um, zines dropping through various letterboxes and things for people today, so that's really nice. Um, but yeah, I read your little note at the beginning. Um, yeah, just about like the chaos of parenthood and uh, my which uh, made me laugh. <laughs> so I'm looking forward to uh, to reading that. And um, yeah, Lewis is absolutely it was an institution in Liverpool um as that uh department store um i i have said i still absolutely love looking at the old photos of you know where you live but from you know long time ago and and just sort of like the nostalgia of that as well it was um yeah it's really nice to kind of like to have those those uh, memories so i'll have to dig out some photos of lewis's for you at some point aid yeah that'd be cool i'd be cool i'd like to see those thank you Awesome. Good stuff. And Graham, how are you doing? Yeah, good. I didn't know anything about Lewis's or your nana, I'm afraid, so I can't um, bring much in. But I do just think, as, think as Rachel didn't mention that I just want to bring up something that was discussed pre-recording, was that when Rachel opened your zine and Constance saw it, she threw up. So I think you've had your first review of the zine. And I think it's important to make sure that that's safe for posterity. I didn't want I think to you're right. on the podcast, Graham, because it gives the wrong impression of that. It wasn't what I meant. I just meant it was coincidental that I oh, opened yeah. it. Yeah, didn't get chance to read it because she was vomiting in the other room. Yeah, just yeah, in the other room. Just a just a coincidence. You opened it. She saw it. She vomited. Oh dear, oh dear. You have to drag us all down to your level, don't you? I try. It is a long way down. 
it is a long way down but i will give you i will throw you a line and and uh, i will give you a chance to redeem yourself by introducing our super special guests we do we were just saying that we may have slightly missed our sixth birthday celebration but this is a party show because boy have we got a full house this evening because joining us for this show show 289 i mentioned only because i looked it up beforehand so we need to use that um is the wonderful the power couple of the analog photography community <laughs> It is Alicia Barnes and Dan Giannopoulos from Lensfair. Welcome Yay! to the show, guys. Oh, yes. Hi. Very much welcome. Thanks for the intro. Thank <laughs> you. We, we feel very yeah. flattered. We've, we've never been referred to as a power couple before. Oh, <laughs> you, you absolutely are. You absolutely are. I mean, one, individually powerful, but as a pair, you're like one of those... Uh, uh, I'm one of those Japanese robots that join together and make a bigger, more powerful robot. Oh, like, is it a Gundam? Something like that. Yeah. <laughs> I was thinking Transformer. Is that what you meant, Graham? No, Power Rangers. They are... Listen, oh. we're getting oh. sidetracked. Awesome. <laughs> I'm showing my age now. I was like, Transformers, definitely Transformers. But yeah. So... Aid and I were lucky enough to meet up with you guys at the Analog Spotlight. You were there, you had a store, and this was the first chance I'd got to speak to you. Um, Lensfair. So some of our listeners might not know what Lensfair is or who you are. So I suppose probably the best thing to do is start with the who you are. So I don't know which one of you wants to go first. But give us a bit of your background. Um, who we are individually. <laughs> yeah, are in Indivi Lensfair. individually first, yeah. <laughs> okay, well, um, I, I'm Alicia, uh, so co-owner of Lensfair. Um, I have a history of, of photography so I started film photography when I was really young I was handed down a, a film camera from like a family friend and I've just been doing it ever since even when it kind of went out of style and then has <laughs> now kind of flooded back into popularity um, and then together we we went to university together we studied photojournalism um, and then a few years like well many years later i guess yeah <laughs> it has been like since we left uni it's been a while um, a long 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 time ago <laughs> yeah <laughs> uh we we then yeah. started lensfair just as a out of the love of film photography just um seeing that resurgence and and wanting to supply quality film cameras to people i love yeah. the description on your website you said you've had a an an ADHD vocational <laughs> CV. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I've kind of like, I've done a bit of everything, like everything from sort of like corporate work to um, various different jobs within like creative industries, like kind of working on in film and like the art department, set design and stuff like that and music videos and uh, helping Dan out with his professional work as well. Yeah. Um, <laughs> She often does my editing for me because I'm pretty useless at it. <laughs> images. Yeah. I'm, I'm not so good at that part of it. And uh, yeah, so kind of like, I've, I've, I feel like I'm like one of those jack of all trades, master of none. <laughs> sort of it's called a portfolio career. There you go. Exactly. That's, that's the one. <laughs> so, it means that you've got all of these leaves to your portfolio and that's awesome. Definitely. And Dan, since university, what have you been doing? Well, so... Uh, yeah, so we met at university back in, we, we graduated in 2009. Um, I started, but everyone everyone at our university on, on our course, they, they kind of, except for a kind of core group of people, wanted to be music photographers. At the mm -hmm. time, it was like the big thing. It's like you wanted doing a photojournalism degree to get into into music photography. Not me. And, um, 
yeah, Alicia and I weren't interested. We were kind of interested in um, documentary. Kind of, yeah, pure documentary photography. And then straight out of university, I ended up getting a job as a gig photographer for, <laughs> for a couple of years, um, which actually turned out to be really good, um, really good kind of experience, like uh, working to deadlines and mm. um, ruined my enjoyment of music for many years. But, um, but yeah, so I, I did that for, for a couple of years and then I kind of, I stopped doing that and decided to work on long-term projects and, and just um, kind of focused on um, travel photography and uh, spent a lot of time in Nepal and Central and South America and um, just working on long-term projects um, overseas and, and at home and working with publications like National Geographic and Time and Sunday Times Magazine and The Guardian. Uh, and then uh, Alicia and I went traveling to Central America back in 2017, 2018. Oh, that one. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, then, and then we came back here briefly. Well, the, the idea was to come back briefly and <laughs> yeah. we ended up kind of staying in yeah. Nottingham and then lockdown hit and um, mm. the photography work dried up and it just coincided with us uh, deciding that we wanted to... Well, look, for about a year, we'd been kind of selling cameras, refurbishing cameras and selling cameras on eBay through my own personal eBay account and then decided that it might be worth kind of taking it more seriously and then um, and then we, we started Lensfair we planned our launch it was like going to be a big kind of launch with, with a website and everything on the on the beginning the beginning of April 2020 and then it was <laughs> locked down <Yeah. laughs> and then we were like this is a really really big mistake yeah. But it actually turned out to be really, um, really beneficial to us. In the end. And, and we were we were selling dozens of cameras um, like a, a day from the get go. And um, yeah, and it just kind of went from strength to strength, really. Mm. Um, and then, yeah, we just kind of had started getting bigger and bolder ideas about what we wanted to do with, with Lensfair and getting into different areas and, and, and really implementing the kind of background that we have in, in social documentary photography and seeing how we can kind of uh, factor that into what we're doing as a camera store uh, in the same way that we used to factor it into what we were doing as photographers. Yeah, it's one of those things, isn't it, that you think, oh, you plan to start a business in yeah. spring of 2020. <laughs> what a nightmare. But actually, the only thing people can be doing in spring of 2020 is looking at their computer screen and going, I want something and I can't go anywhere. So... That's yeah. kind of perfect in some ways. What yeah. what luck we had a global pandemic. Yeah. Yeah, it's like lots of people getting paid to stay at home and, it, and picking up hobbies that they, they, you know, they've got nothing to do. You know, they want to get back into film photography or they want to take up a new hobby. And we just so happened to be there, at the, I guess, at the right time yeah. for a lot of people. It, it was actually really um, fortuitous. Um, is that the right word? Yeah, I think so. <laughs> yeah, so like it, it just sort of like coincided with like like Dan was saying, everyone just sort of thinking, mm, what should I do with my time? And then we started this uh, hashtag called Creatives in Captivity um, to just give people like a bit of inspiration to go out and like, you know, on their allocated sort of daily walks that you could have or exercise, like to go out and like take some photos and submit photos and feel like they were part of something. And that's kind of how we started on social media. Is it wrong that when I hear that hashtag, I just think of Martin Parr in like a cage with people walking past, looking at him and sign saying, do yeah. not feed the photographer? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> not at all. I mean, that's how we all felt. I think. <laughs> <laughs> so you, your careers, although 
you both done lots of different stuff within the creative industry, and I know Dan, you did stuff before you went to university. So I suppose you may you for both of you doing creative work has always been a part of your lives in very different fields all over the map. But yeah, refurbishing and selling on um, cameras is mm. quite different from all of that. So why yeah. did you start to get into that in the first place? Um, for me personally, I, like I, I've always owned a, a wide variety of film cameras. Um, and I, I kind of like experimenting with, with different formats and, um, and I've always kind of, they've broken and I've always had to repair them and mm. and I, I kind of I, I guess over time like over over the years you kind of think you know I've, I've I've kind of got pretty good at repairing these cameras and and then there was the resurgence in 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 film photography and you know I, I I'm not I'm not so good at identifying skills and then at, at this point I kind of I was like oh well I do have this skill here and maybe this is something that you know um because the the photography work isn't going to be happening for a while because we're in lockdown we like maybe i can just kind of i can focus on on this and just get better at, at doing that and you know most of my days now are kind of spent tinkering with cameras and and um uh in the beginning it was spent breaking a lot of cameras <laughs> um but but yeah like over over time i've just kind of i've got i've got pretty proficient at it and pretty um um confident that what we're doing is you know we give it we're putting cameras that would have been just kind of sent to landfill we're putting putting mm -hmm. them back out in in people's hands and they can yeah. get to use them and there's a whole kind of new generation of photographers that get to use these these cameras that have just been sat in cupboards and in lofts for decades in, yeah. in some cases yeah i mean the the whole camera thing just to like add on to what dan was saying it definitely started with him so he he's always been a bit of a uh like sort of boot sale person like picking up cameras constantly and and like yeah he was saying like we had this like large collection um at home and you know tinkering with them and fixing them and stuff and then when we decided okay like the ebay thing was going well let's turn it into a proper business it kind of it just kind of it felt like a natural progression for that to happen and we've sold over 2000 cameras now Gosh. um yeah. since then and you know, yeah, like yeah, in just over two years. Yeah, so. easily over two thousand cameras. So like it, it's going well. <laughs> okay. No um, yeah. But do you source? Do you, do you actually source the cameras? Is that what you do? Source them yeah. and then, like refurbish them and sell them, or do you get? Or is it? Do people also send their cameras to you for repairs, or is it? Well, we, we get we get people asking us all the time, and it's yeah. just we don't. It, it's literally just the two of us yeah, running yeah. running the business for, for the past two years, and it's yeah, you know, like it, it, we we actually say this all the time. It's like it it um it gets really busy and like quite stressful and yeah. uh, at, at times, and it's like we have to kind of tell ourselves these are these are kind of good problems in in the grand scheme of things. They they're good problems to have, like that you that you're busy with yeah. this stuff. But it we we we're constantly having to kind of um, say to people, you know, we 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 can repair the cameras for you but we just don't have the capacity yeah to do it with, we're just too busy like with our own with our yeah. own stuff at the moment to yeah. be able to do that but it's definitely um part of our we're, we're we're moving into a new office space soon it's been a it's been a long time coming we've been mm. um we've been kind of going back and forth to get into the place but once we do that it's just kind of going to open up the doors for us to be able to do those sorts of things um yeah. but 
but yeah, like that, that isn't something we do yet, but we, we definitely want to be doing that. Yeah, definitely on the horizon. We were actually talking to PPP cameras when we were at the Analog Spotlight and we were talking about that sort of thing. And he was just like, yeah, like 100%, I understand why it's not something that you offer separately yet because it's a whole other yeah. business on top of what yeah. you're already doing. So mm -hmm. until we can actually get some help in, I think like at the moment, it will just be repairing our own cameras for sale. Mm -hmm. And then at some point we will invite people to send those into us and start doing repairs as well. How are you managing to keep the supply of cameras coming in? Because, I mean, we've there have been so many conversations over the years about ah, it's getting harder to get hold of them, getting harder to get hold of a good price. And, you know, yeah. they're all being sucked up by people who are out on the look for them everywhere. How are you guys yeah. managing to keep a good flow of stock coming through? Well, it's definitely difficult. And especially since I feel like and um, like so we were we were doing it a little bit beforehand before we became you know lens for the business um but we definitely noticed like over towards the end of 2020 like it was just really difficult to start getting hold of cameras for a cheap price especially because you, we couldn't go to boot sales anymore there were no auctions to go to yeah. like all of our sort of like main sources <laughs> um were inaccessible um so like one of the things like fortunately for us because we've got dan and also he's teaching me um is that we can buy things that are spares and repair um mm -hmm. that we can actually fix so that means that we can get them cheaper fix them up and then still sell them for a reasonable price and mm -hmm. get cameras yeah. in that way so that's been one of the things but that does kind of limit our turnover in, in a sense because again you know there's only two of us so we can have a certain amount of stock because we're we're also having to work on things as well so you know we're not one of those that has like hundreds and hundreds of cameras in yet uh, hopefully that will come just because we're having to like actually physically work on them before we put them out so yeah so i think we're more we're more about kind of the quality of the cameras yeah. rather than the, the quantity and, and the quantity what, yeah. what we've noticed is that there are a lot of uh, lots of camera stores have sprung up over the past like two years um and, and a lot of um a lot of kind of people just kind of flipping cameras so they'll get the cameras in and then flip them and then you know what what kind of sets us apart is like alicia said is that we we can we're, we're always kind of driven by we we've always wanted to make um analog photography as accessible as possible for a wide variety of people that you know you might not have the money to be able to do it so we always mm. we we don't sell like these kind of premium high-end cameras that have been mm. um kind of the, the prices of gouge to high heaven it's yeah it's, it's ridiculous so we always try to keep it like within a range that's affordable for people and and by buying in cameras that that needs a bit of tlc and that, that i can i can work on it means that we can kind of get them in a lot cheaper and keep the the sell-on price a lot lower than, than other stores so we kind of really prided ourselves on that, on, yeah. on being able to do to do that um but, and it's yeah, more I mean, friendly. They're not going to landfill, are they? They're actually exactly, yeah. exactly. That's the other thing as well. So yeah. we're actually like genuinely rescuing cameras and, mm. and rehoming them. So yeah. So it's a real skill because I wouldn't know where to begin to repair a camera, and <laughs> I've had loads that I've broken. So on average, I mean, it must. Does it, I'm imagining it takes quite a many hours, is it, to, of to work on a camera? So it must be quite. Is it quite time? time time consuming to repair just one camera it can be i think like we've kind of gotten to the point now where when we're looking at the descriptions of things like particularly if we're getting something that spares and repair like usually yeah. people will say what the actual fault is 
-hmm. So there'll be certain faults that people will believe that there's wrong, like something's wrong with the camera that will be like, okay, that's an easy fix. So yeah, easy to turn around. So we'll, we'll kind of be a little bit selective with it as well, depending on, you know, essentially also how valuable that camera is because some some cameras just really aren't worth repairing um unfortunately um so so yeah like i think we've kind of refined it in that way we're like okay this is an issue that we know that we can turn around mm. relatively quickly um so we'll get that in that's fine or or yeah like sometimes it'll just be like we'll buy cameras that we can use for parts um yeah. as donor yeah. cameras to other cameras as well so so yeah like we kind of just like have a system that way yeah i mean like none of the cameras that we that we get in we'll, we'll always we'll always find a way to use if we can't repair that camera we'll find mm. a way to use the parts from yeah. that camera's donor parts for yeah. another camera so yeah so yeah, they kind of go into they, they, they there are some use in in some way so mm. we have lots of lots of spare parts and lots yeah <laughs> we're actually thinking about um starting to sell like spare parts that we have for other people that repair cameras as well like genuinely um, we're thinking like we've, yeah. we've got so much of this yeah. now that we could probably got, yeah. put those on ebay we've, too we've got more than we'll ever need for some cameras <laughs> yeah <laughs> i'm going to be uh, asking you a question about um a spare part for something in a bit actually <laughs> oh, okay <laughs> yeah cool. uh, i had a call the other day um which was uh, a bit of like hi how are you and i was like uh oh what's the bad news oh, no. <laughs> um so yeah so we we needed a, we needed a spare part for my om1 so <laughs> oh no yeah yeah anyway sorry i've interrupted the flow here but um, <sighs> your um uh you, you mentioned dan obviously this is something that you've been doing for quite a long time that you started learning how to repair your own cameras alicia is this something that you've also always been interested in or is it that Dan's been teaching you so that you can then take that on and, and how are you are you looking at maybe taking on apprentices or something like that in the future because really as we've talked about a lot on Sunny 16 in the past it's about trying to make sure that there is a workforce mm -hmm. there of people with the knowledge mm -hmm. to take mm -hmm. this forward to make sure that these cameras can still be repaired and be refurbished and yeah yeah definitely like for me like it's it's mostly been through dan that i've been learning i didn't i didn't really have like the wherewithal before <laughs> like you know i didn't even have the notion that if my camera was broken that i could fix it I, i'd never attempted that before mm. so it was definitely dan that introduced me to that and i've been i've been learning like i'm i'm not the repair person of the two of us i kind of i can do some servicing i yeah. know my way around olympus trip like for a fair bit <laughs> because <laughs> that's like an easy one and um like in terms of apprentices like we've definitely um thought that when we do move into our, our business premises that and we get some we start getting some help in that that mm -hmm. that'll be one of the things that we do 100 because yeah. we agree it's really important yeah. to to kind of keep that knowledge going <laughs> and and i think that um i mean i guess it depends who you talk to but i feel like a lot of people that repair cameras are quite guarded about um their process and like yeah. what they do and and i understand because i guess like part of it is that they don't want people to they want people to come to them obviously um but i think yeah, it's I the cameras though isn't there <laughs> like that exactly and also if, even if someone knows how to do something it doesn't necessarily mean that they're going to be like okay i'm going to go out and get all those tools mm. or that they can be bothered really even if you've given them that information but i think it's i think it's really important to um empower people to at least like know how to take care of their camera mm. like you know there's a lot of things that people don't know how to do 
Um, and there are like some really simple things that like, so fixing a cannon cough, for example, is something that you can so easily do yourself. And like, we're thinking about putting out some, like a series of videos to do like very sort of basic repairs mm. that you can do yourself with yeah. tools that you probably have like, mm. you know, um, at home and yeah. you don't have to pay um, a specialist, you know, to, to do these things. So, so yeah. Yeah, to answer your question. Yeah, that would be, really, be really cool to have something like that to, to look for, forward to. Yeah, yeah we, we will definitely do. Because, like, over time, you realise that there's, like, certain cameras, they they all have, like, the same issue coming up. Like, it's like they, they all have this kind of Achilles heel that um, that you just become aware of. So, like, you like you get really kind of um, adept at being able to repair repair that. And, and people will sell these cameras as though, as though they're broken and it's like well you can quite easily mm. repair that so i kind of I, I think putting that out there so that people kind of that that may not necessarily want to get rid of the camera but think the camera is broken can just repair it and and, and actually use that themselves rather than kind of passing Getting it, on it or, away or, giving it away or something yeah yeah, yeah. you know uh, i'm going to say here and maybe this is me being um bringing in experiences in other walks up but i think having videos which talk about these faults and say look this is what this is and this is a fairly easy thing to repair is a great idea i'm mm -hmm. not so sure that then <laughs> showing people how to have a go with it because you know what it might be easy to you <laughs> but i know mm. what a sausage fingered impatient person i'm like well they've said it's easy i'm gonna have a crack at this and then you end up with this camera and bits and then you get frustrated <laughs> everything it's tiny and fiddly in that screwdriver and then you hulk smash it's like well now it's definitely broken <laughs> Yeah, it just makes sure to put a disclaimer at the beginning of our videos. Yeah, they're yeah. like you know. The end that says, if you find this not quite as easy as we find it, then please feel free to send us your bits of camera in a box, and we'll fix it. <laughs> exactly. Because <all. Yeah. laughs> I know that um, with with motorbike stuff, like when I when I go, I, go, oh, I want to get more hands on, I want to do more stuff, and so I started watching videos and like, oh, this is an easy thing to fix, and. Luckily, I know my limits. And I kind of watch and go, yeah, that does look fairly simple. But you know what? I'm still going to take it <laughs> to, the, to the guy that fixes stuff so that he can keep my bike for a year. Um, that's by the by. But yeah, because it's one of those things that I think uh, there is there is a skill. There are skills involved. And it's more than just knowing. Um, it's, yeah. having, it's having patience and, and fine motor skills. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Which I don't 100%. have. That, that's the first, the, the the first lesson that I'm trying to teach Alicia with, with regards to repairing cameras. Yeah, how's that going? She definitely doesn't have the patience for a lot of the jobs at the moment. No, no, that's that's not my that's not my forte. Like Dan is definitely kind of like almost almost in on a semi autistic level, um, kind of like I've not been know, very like <laughs> yeah, but. yeah, but like you know, very sort of like detail, like with with things like that, like hands on with um that sort of thing but like no I, I do enjoy it and I think and I think maybe like people could get started by if if it's something that you were interested in then even if you just go on eBay get a camera that is spares or repairs um just try taking things apart like that's the way that you learn how to put them together See, again just like give it a go and then <laughs> taking just, it apart really easy <laughs> I could give you a really long list of the stuff that I've taken apart <laughs> the list of things I put together I need a stamp <laughs> I like to have room to draw of, pictures. You've made a lot of cameras with tape and cardboard yes. over the years. Yeah, I really do. Yeah, <laughs> and then and then it gets hot, and then those cameras fall apart. 
<laughs> really unfortunate if you still got filming them. Ask me how I repeatedly know. Um, it's getting dark here, so I'm not sure if you can still see. Me. We have a light to the side. <laughs> you look great. The light's still good. It's all still good. Um, so you said at the beginning that when you started, or at least you, you got the business going, but you're keen to make it more than just a shop that sells cameras. You're keen to bring in the things that are important to you about how you think mm -hmm. and approach your creative work um, and your own um, ethics and what you want to sort of help the community with, basically. So mm -hmm. talk to us about that. Talk to us about what you have done and what you want to do. <laughs> um, yeah, so like one of the things that, like one of the reasons why we started Lensphere was to, uh, I guess, kind of bring a focus on diversity uh, or the or the lack <laughs> of diversity within film. Now, I know that that's something that's obviously been spoken about a lot more in recent years, but like when we started it, that wasn't a trending topic at the time. Um, I think like kind of maybe more towards the middle of like 2020, like with, you know, Black Lives Matter and that that sort of thing, mm -hmm. like people have been thinking more about inclusivity being more intentional with um, like sort of including people from different backgrounds that don't typically get the light shone on them or, or you know, get an opportunity to, to be seen. Um, and so like one of the things that we've been doing is kind of like doing interviews, um, with different photographers from different backgrounds and and with you know different types of genres that they that they photograph as well and and like kind of like with a focus on being diverse with that um and i guess another way um we kind of touched on as well was was the accessibility side of it um because like we've just like like you've seen and everyone's seen is that things are just becoming so expensive and um, I feel like, you know, film photography is already expensive. Like, I, I think I talked about this at Analyst Art, like prices are going up, film prices are going up, camera prices are going up. And it's kind of becoming one of those things that almost by default, if you are from a certain section of society, then you can't pick this hobby up because you just simply can't afford it as much as you may even want to. Or maybe even people that have have this hobby for a while are kind of getting priced out of participating in it <clears throat> and so one of the things that like we want to try and do is to um i guess level that playing field and you know make it as, as accessible as possible like in by buying cameras that are, are broken fixing them up and selling them at an affordable price as opposed to getting them for two and then you know what i mean like having to kind of uh bring our prices up as well because we've we've had to get them in so expensive am i saying that right mm -hmm. yeah, <laughs> you know yeah, what i mean you know what i'm getting yeah. at like so mm -hmm. because we can get them so cheap it means that we can sell them on affordably mm -hmm. essentially is what i'm saying um so that's like one of the ways and um like yeah being involved in things like analog spotlight as well um that was really important to me um like the what they're aiming to achieve um with everything and so yeah just like we're trying to get involved in in all of those sorts of initiatives and 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 help do what we can um yeah to promote that from, from the outset as well it was just we wanted to we wanted to do things um so we very very early on in in setting up the business we started talking to um organizations about um ways that we can kind of support emerging photographers and, and artists with like a some sort of fund that people could donate money yeah. to like or that we could take a portion of 
yeah. the camera sales and we did we did stuff like charity charity work so we would donate in a given month we would donate um what was it like 10 percent of our sales mm. to to a selected charity and then we wanted to support individual artists to be able to you know do workshops and um portfolio reviews mm -hmm. because my my own personal experience of coming out of of uni and um and trying to kind of um forge a career as a photographer was incredibly difficult mm -hmm. coming from a, a lower income background um like having to hold down a full-time job and 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 do the work and straight out of university i was offered an internship with magnum photos in in new york and it was like the when i when i was offered the internship it was like one of the greatest moments it's like my career is going to kind of take off and then i realized mm. the, the inherent costs in in being able to to do something like that and even yeah. if it was to, to to do an internship at magnum photos in london which is where i was born and raised it just it it wasn't something that was feasible for me to be able to do it like it yeah. would have like to work there full time it's just like how do, how do you how are you able to to do something like that and when you don't have because you have to support yourself yeah, yeah. Of someone else being able to support <laughs> you and and then in, in that respect it, it always seems to be people that come from uh moneyed backgrounds that are able to kind of get ahead and then it's like well you know people from uh, lower income backgrounds are they still have stuff to say they are they, they're still creative and they still have yeah. um there's still some worth in in what what they're trying to create yeah. and and that that's always played on my mind is that the, the fact that i wasn't able to do that because i there wasn't that support network for me at the time um and that's something that we really really want to start implementing yeah. and so we actually in very early on we actually spoke with magnum about the idea of um of us like like subsidizing places on their workshops because like you uh, typical magnum workshop with with one of their photographers for uh, uh, seven days is about two two and a half thousand pounds and it's like for a seven day workshop that's a lot of money and they do a, a partnership with a, a photo institute in in paris that is a year-long program that's i think is is thirty five thousand pounds and it's yeah like, like how how does anyone that doesn't come from a wealthy background yeah. Do that. do yeah. something like that. I mean, yeah. we're, we're not saying that we're in a position to be able to fund someone's tuition for for a year. For a year this, yeah, this thing. Yeah. But in our little way, we can kind of help people get to portfolio reviews, which can yeah. be expensive and. Or like you know, there's lots of like community dark rooms and things that put on like you know different um, like you know sessions and things like that that we could maybe help support. Like that's that's the sort of thing that the funds could support. Um, getting people just sort of like yeah portfolio reviews maybe like helping get people work and things like that like so for mm -hmm. the analog spotlight we we uh helped wet cloak willow who was a big hit at the analog mm -hmm. spotlight get a place there as well like so just like any way that we can to help people that wouldn't typically have access to opportunities like that we we've tried to do mm -hmm. alicia i'm sorry i i wasn't able to be at the analog spotlight um oh in person but were you on the panel there as well because i was the, yeah fantastic because um i i heard fa fabulous things about the panel and uh, oh, good. to not be able to be there and uh, i just wondered if if any of you know if anything kind of like came up from being on the panel for you if it if it highlighted anything for you if there was anything for those of us who weren't able to be there that you'd like to mention about it 
Um, I think that, well, we, we had all kind of like spoken beforehand, so we all knew what we were going to talk about. And um, it, it was it was a range of subjects, really, like everyone's own personal experiences. So um, I I directly invited Sundari and Izzy Farr. And um, mm -hmm. I think a lot of people know Izzy Farr from her Dear Kodak um, open letter. Yeah. And so Izzy was, was obviously talking from a perspective of, um, you know, inclusivity with film like a lot of those big uh pages that are there um not intentionally um sort of you know sharing work from diverse groups and i think like one of the things that they were saying was that you know we don't really we're not looking at who's posting it and she was saying well that's the problem <laughs> you know like i think you, you have to be intentional with that and, and actually like you know kind of the there'll be obviously a group of, of photos that you like but then go and look at the profiles and and actually try and yeah. make it as diverse as possible so izzy was talking about that um sundari um is uh south asian and she was talking about her experience um with representation yeah. and so when she started in film photography just not seeing a lot of people like her um at sort of you know prominent positions um or influential positions within within photography generally not only mm -hmm. film photography i guess um we had Rob from London Camera Project um, mm -hmm. on there as well, because uh, Izzy actually suggested this. She was saying like, you know, it can't just be women here talking about mm -hmm. what, what needs to, what needs to happen. We need to, we need to have diversity on our panel also. Yeah. So Rob was talking about his experience with his photo walks and um, I guess like maybe, Rob was more so like kind of posing the question about how like what what should you do to try and attract um diversity and like what are the things that like he could do with proactively without seeming like he's virtue signaling because mm -hmm. i know that's something that people are, are concerned about as well mm -hmm. um and uh we had cameras by max um who is a non-binary um person talking about um basically just kind of putting out there that they are a uh uh what's the word like well just like an lgbt like business mm -hmm. and then mm -hmm. that kind of in and of itself uh i guess kind of opens kind of makes them see like makes them seem more mm -hmm. open and kind of like invites more people from those backgrounds um directly so it was like a mixed bag mm -hmm. <laughs> of, of kind of conversations we, we i feel like we hit everything and it probably wasn't long enough for everyone to really um talk in depth about their own personal experience with everything but it was definitely really well received and we'd love to do something mm -hmm. like that again where we could each like sort of talk about uh yeah. individual things thanks i haven't been in the audience for that one that i mean it was brilliant yeah. right it was a brilliant conversation the virtual the virtue signaling thing though is, is a is a strange one because if you know, so uh, speaking as a white male, right? So somebody who has had the balance tipped in his favour, right? For you know, in in this sense, it, we can't leave it just to to the uh, the the people who've had a harder time, be they minorities or be they not minority or or be they be be they women or men or whatever. We can't it can't be just their responsibility. It's the people who have the power in that relationship. You have to step forward. Yeah, and so the, the virtue signaling, I think, is is I, I totally get what you mean by that, and it really bothers me because mm. people who people who have the power need to 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 give that need need to make that take that stand, and I don't mean have the power as in 
power to command and control, of course. Yeah, I mean, I guess we all know that. But, you know, it's, you know, why should it be up to women to, to, to make their way in the world and fight really hard? Why shouldn't the men be saying and calling out other men, hey, you, stop it, right? You know, we're mm-hmm. all, yeah, everybody should have an equal opportunity here. Yeah. And I think it's, it, it, yeah, I, 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 well, it's I, I guess rather than equality as well, isn't it? It's about like what what point you're starting from, <laughs> you exactly. know. Like, how can it be up to the oppressed to fight oppression when they're exactly, kind exactly, of exactly. From yes, such exactly. a place of disadvantage? It's just yeah, yeah. it's. Um, and I get this in my corporate life as well. Um, yeah. in yeah, because yeah, my, my my main day job, um, and there's there's a lot of stuff going on in my in the company that I work for that is really really positive around diversity and inclusion. And one of the messages that we are starting to hear now is it's not just about recognizing people; it's about people who have traditionally had those easier, more powerful positions because of what they look like or who they are or whatever to actually step forward and say, "No, it's yeah, you know, we are actively doing this." You know, so maybe step one is to provide a safe place where women and others can can confidently step forward but that's not enough step two needs to include the people who are in those traditionally more powerful places mm-hmm. you know actually draw it forward you know, and, and and correct the behavior of their peers when it's not appropriate yeah. sorry i'm gonna ha- i'm very close to having a soapbox rant and that's not what this show is about <laughs> this show is about to learn about our guests right so but it, sorry, I just had to pick up on that because that 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 session, that that panel discussion at the Analogs Bolo event was was brilliant, and I hope we get to do more of those. Yeah, it, yeah, it clearly is. You know that it's big questions and big conversations, and there's not enough time or room to do that in one in one go, is there? And that's yeah. okay. You know, it's it was a starting point, I I presume. You know, and I hope yeah. for for other conversations happening in the future. So it's it's just really lo- lovely to know that. Um, that's happened and you know what what goes on next from here and and from Lensfetter's perspective it sounds like you're obviously both very much you know considering all of these questions anyway and you want that to be part of your business mm-hmm. um, you know mantra I guess for whatever yeah. that word. <laughs> uh, we're very lucky at the moment and the, the analog spotlight was a, a great little microcosm of this is mm-hmm. that at the moment, at this point in time, particularly around this conversation, it's great at this point in time because there are just so many awesome people in the film photography community actively doing cool stuff. Um, mm-hmm. And that the Analog Spotlight was filled with that. But the other great thing is, and, and I know that this was not by accident, I know that um, you and Holly worked super hard on this, Alicia, is that there is a really diverse group of people. It isn't all the same kind of people doing there. I mean, you know, you've already mentioned, you know, Willow and Max and you guys and and um, just such a broad range of people and experiences. And so we've got so many great ambassadors out there that this, I know it's you've not got... not just like, the faces again, right? Yeah. Is, is what's important, I think. Yeah. And, and, this, and what I think is what is really helping is, I, I know you've got an article on your blog um, that you wrote after the um, Black Lives Matter events been mm-hmm. going on and he said you know just because the posts have stopped coming up on twitter and whatever this like this is still an important thing mm-hmm. and and that's the thing like the conversation needs to keep going and mm-hmm. and and when you're getting to the point as we are now where you've just got you're getting to where there's just people in positions where they're just part of that conversation so it's coming up anyway like you know we had willow on a couple of weeks ago 
Max is joining oh, us. Thank you. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. Max is joining us uh next week or the week after. I can't remember. You know, we've got Emma Lloyd like, really? like because yeah. not not because we're seeking out diverse people. It's mm. because these are awesome people we want to get on who also aren't just part of the same milieu of folks. So it's awesome. Um I think it's a really great space. And it's just it's just great there's so many awesome people in this I mean we you were talking about earlier about the um, camera repair stuff and about the fact that some of the old guard um, are, are less keen to share their knowledge. But <laughs> there's, there's this whole new young guard coming up who are just teaching themselves. Like, well, screw this. <laughs> like Max, mm-hmm. like Piero, um, mm-hmm. like like you, Dan. Uh, uh, Lyndon, I mean, is, he, is Lyndon young? Or youngish? <laughs> but it's, you know, it's great that... that I didn't think. I'm, I'm not. I'm not that young. I have to admit. <laughs> oh, you look it. I was going to say 25, 26. Oh, oh. thank you. Oh. <laughs> I see. I you'd have to is be it, to is, snag is, Alicia. I look 25 <laughs> like that. <laughs> um, oh no, that's my choice. <laughs> <laughs> but I, a few years ago. I personally was really quite concerned about the fact that, oh no, all these camera repair guys are going to be retiring. It was conversations we had, like, what, what's going to happen? And, and what's happened is that new people have come in from the bottom, young and really excited. Again, I and I, I'm really, maybe one of you guys can, well, I didn't say, maybe you, Alicia, or you'll never remember Aid, or you, Dan, but um, the chap who's there with Jack from Jack's Lab, um, Whose name mm-hmm. I can't remember, but I know he does camera repairs as well, and he's also Nathan, young. Yeah. Nathan, Nathan. Nathan. Yeah, yeah. thank you. Yeah. yeah. So I think that's bloody brilliant. And also, I love um, Piero again, who we're going to have on soon. An absolute delight. Amazing. But, but he's like, yeah, we should, like, the camera repairers should all be talking to each other because, as you said, yeah. like, you're all generating spare parts, and also, you're all going to have things that you like doing and you're good at and things that you don't want to touch up. Maybe somebody else's. Maybe you don't want to deal with this. Yeah. Um, well, the yeah, interesting yeah. thing is that at the Analog Spotlight event, Piero came up to us and said he, he, he wanted to say thank you because because we get lots of people asking us about camera repairs and we're like, we don't we do not do them at the moment, but we, we send always them send them to him. Always, yeah. And he, he said he's got loads of business from, from oh, us. And it's great. like that kind of, the idea, yeah. like I, having come through the kind of, uh, the whole working as a photographer, freelance photographer, there's a lot of like kind of jostling to, and, it, and that's never really kind of sat well with me. I don't I don't like that. I don't like competing mm-hmm. with other people to. So I've always been like um, so there, there was a there was a period about seven years ago where I was I was working on a project on uh, kind of a subculture in in, in London, uh, the, the bike life movement. And at the same time, um, pretty well known photographer Spencer Murphy was um, was working on a similar project and. A lot of people. I'd been working on it for a couple of years, and then he he released this this work, and it got published. And it was amazing work, and he published a book with Hoxton Mini Press. And a lot of my friends um, had said to me, like, "Oh, this, this, you know, how do you feel about this guy kind of um, copying your work and getting like, the, the credit?" And it was like, "Well, the, that that isn't what's happening. I don't have a monopoly on on telling on this idea. story or yeah. like an idea. And it's like <laughs> if I've had this idea, I'm not so kind of arrogant that." I would believe that I'm the only person in the world that has thought that this is an, an idea. And um, there was always this kind of like feeling of like you're, you're competing with this person because they're working on a, a similar project. And I kind of went the other way and I went, he had an exhibition and I went to the launch of the exhibition and I bought his book and like, and and it actually kind of um, 
built a kind of like a friendship mostly over kind of Instagram and and it got to the point where in lockdown like I was sharing my contacts with him so that he could get some work published and then he did a um an interview with us for our, our blog and mm -hmm. you know and and a lot of people kind of throw around terms of like you know we're, we're stronger together and, mm -hmm. and they don't and actually mean it and yeah. and we've always kind of like we we we, we kind of keep it close to our chest but we all we're, we're always in that mind of like you know like there's there's especially with the, the cameras there's so many cameras and there's so many people that want to buy cameras it's like you know there's there's room for everyone to be able to kind of work within this area and, and everyone to kind of um forge their own little path within it we don't have to be competitive and yeah. you know we can all kind of support each other and um you know like build build a stronger community that isn't kind of you know like at the at the moment we do sometimes get the feeling that of this competitiveness and you know um with 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 other people and um and we we just we like to kind of like move away from from that whole kind of that that notion i i, th I think personally like we just want to we want to be part of a, a bigger community and, and help yeah. to grow that community we want to be friends with everyone basically like we just like it's so much nicer to have friends than it is to like kind of feel like you're at odds with each other and and then there's you know there's people like hamish um 35 mmc and like you know he's he's got a side project the pixelator and he has also worked alongside um competitors and promoted them as well and they've collaborated together and and that's exactly the sort of you know um person or you know people that we are sort of drawn to like you know that don't yeah don't see that as competition and just see it as a contrib a, a contribution rather than competition to like you know supporting the wider film community um and yeah that's what we're about so yeah yeah that was a very long <laughs> tangent away from what piero was saying about you know repairists like sticking together but basically yeah 100 percent and yeah, but exactly. I mean, that well, that's exactly the same ethos, isn't it? And I mean, as you pointed out, there are an awful lot of a lot, an awful lot of people who want to buy cameras. There are an awful lot of cameras out there, but they are in varying shades of repair and disrepair. Um, and I don't think I've spoken to um, somebody selling cameras, somebody repairing cameras, or somebody selling film, or um, anything like that or somebody developing film who are not super busy like there is a lot of desire for this stuff out there so certainly at the moment there doesn't it doesn't need to be competitive in that way because everyone benefits from just working best, <laughs> best together um and um and i just think it benefits everybody ultimately and also i think that um you were talking earlier about wanting to support photographers and and move things forward and stuff like that again it's it's easier to do stuff like that if you're collaborating with other small businesses or small to medium businesses you because you can do more you can have more of an impact rather than mm -hmm. lots of very small fragmentary things trying to do their own thing you can't get so far but when people come together and um yeah i think i think it's a great thing i really do um yeah i think we're actually pretty lucky as well being in nottingham because we, we've noticed like over the past few years that a really kind of strong photo community just mm. here in 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 the city has has kind of sprung up and yeah. and that's that's a lot to do with the 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 photo parlor what, what was the photo parlor now is make it easy yeah. lab and um, they partnered up with um with take it easy lab 
and and they've really built a strong photo community and and yeah and i think we're we're in a good place here at the moment to to kind of help to push that along push things forward yeah. and start innovating and doing and lots more stuff with them yeah there's a really strong creative community generally and the place that we're about to move into hopefully very soon um is in uh an area of nottingham that's known as the creative quarter and so there's just lots of creative businesses and they all support each other it's just such a like just lovely environment to be part of and like we can't wait to join it so we can be part of it as well and like you know like yeah definitely like it's just um hopefully there'll be more of that to come i feel we've had a lot of good high-minded discussion here and so i feel that we need to shift it down to it we don't very often do here which is some gear talk because you you sell cameras it seems appropriate oh, i thought you were going to go back to the jammy dodger i already I ate my jammy dodger. dodger so small in my life it's a micro it's pathetic dodger. it's absolutely Isn't pathetic it? but i did eat like, it i listen brief jammy dodger tangent it says only only 87 calories that's not an achievement if you make something tiny of course it's only got very few calories in it it's also it's not worth eating you need anyway listen listen jammy dodgers <laughs> also i think they might be knock because they're called jammy wheels maybe I look anyway that doesn't sound right jammy wheels have you got another packet of wagon dodgers <laughs> yeah i've got a packet <laughs> of wagon dodgers yeah uh, um Jammy Can... wheels is something that maybe Lensfair have to deal with. Well, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I mean, they're probably small enough to use as a cog in some of your cameras. Um, <laughs> so let, let's talk about cameras. So first off, let's have the sales pitch. Why should people come to Lensfair and buy a camera from you rather than going on eBay and trying to find something there? Because it will work. <laughs> That's a pretty <laughs> strong pitch. <laughs> we, we guarantee that it will yeah, work. We, yeah, because yeah, because because you're you're guaranteed to have a camera that has been lovingly restored, as mm -hmm. if we were to use it ourselves, and we provide excellent customer service, um, ongoing service and support as well. Mm -hmm. We often um, sell to people that are beginners, mm -hmm. and so we get lots of follow up questions about how to use things and and uh like even months later anyone's welcome to come back and, and ask us questions we we do videos as well to support people and show like physically show them how to use things and so it's not just it doesn't just end with buying a camera from us you do get ongoing support from us we have like a a good returns <laughs> guarantee as well if, if anything should ever go wrong so so in in any in any eventuality like you'll you'll be happy buying a camera from us that's, Was that a self-pitch? I'm, I'm not very good at that. That's pretty good. No, I like that a lot, actually. Yeah, I might borrow some of that if I may. <laughs> <laughs> You've also got some very funky reskinned cameras as well. So you've got, so you got some really pretty cameras there that you've reskinned. Thank you. So that's that's down to Alicia. She does she does the reskinning. Yeah. I do the repairs, she does the reskinning, she picks the the colours, and she's got a bit more adventurous recently. We've got like Daisy. Mm. Um, Daisy print ones and yeah. what was the, the holographic four, yeah holographic ones and loads more yeah um, there's a watermelon one that we're working on at the moment uh, uh, the tiger print that kind of yeah thing. leopard print yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we've got lots so we and we're we're kind of like broadening that uh the variety all the time so we just kind of uh yeah 
it's just the thing like never mind saying okay well we might look to start repairing other people's camera no 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 there's people do that i want to be able to send my cameras i want to send all my cameras to you to get them reskinned into various animal prints and stuff like that because that would be a service i think would be well worth paying for to make them all look fabulous um so what are your favorite cameras to get in and work mm. on you mentioned olympus trips earlier <laughs> or are they now things that you're so sick of the sight of that you really I, want to see I actually them? love i i actually find um Olympus trips, I actually find it really therapeutic mm. working on them. So, like, it's a it's a really meditative thing. And I've like, I mean, we we worked out recently, like that I I'd, I'd gone through and repaired like about 150 of them. Okay. Um, so it's like I'm pretty kind of competent in in repairing them now. And you know, so like a, a lot of the kind of basic repairs, I can kind of sit down and and do like in in half an hour or so, like 10, 10 15 minutes in some cases. Um, but um, I mean, we like we have some kind of personal favourites that we get in that not necessarily for like repairing, but just cameras that we 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 like, and we're always kind of excited when we when we get them in. Um, the the Polaroid um, uh, SX seventies and SLR um, are just, in, in my opinion, like the, the most beautiful cameras that I've yeah. I've ever kind of seen. Like just the. The design, the work, made, like I just, yeah. I, I, I just never get bored of of the design of those cameras. Um, but um, yeah, my, I mean, my personal favourite at the moment is the the little Olympus XA, um, mm. which I carry around with me everywhere. Um, so yeah, like they don't, we don't get them in very often. Um, but yeah, they're 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 nice. Just the, the XA series in in general are nice nice cameras that that seem to be very popular with with people. Yeah, we've never really been, I don't think either of us, I think you've had some fancier cameras than I have, but like we've never really been like ones to be into like camera porn. Like we don't, we don't care about having a Leica M6 or like they are beautiful cameras. I know, I'm sorry, is that sacrilege to no, some people? No, no, I was, <laughs> I was more going to say that I definitely saw on uh, Dan's bio that he owns a wide Lux and a Contax G2. So I'm like, mm, maybe Dan's keeping secrets. I, I used to, I, I, I used to have, I used to own a wide Lux and I used to own a Contax G2. Oh, he needs to update his bio. Yeah, like, <laughs> no, it was a long time ago. It was, they were, they were my, yeah, I, I mean, I, I bought the wide Lux years ago because i was obsessed with jeff bridges photography like whenever anyone asks me like my, my favorite photographers I'll, I'll kind of list off a few of the the, the more well-known photographers and i mentioned jeff bridges and everyone's like what the, the, the actor, actor jeff bridges. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, yeah you should check out his photography it's amazing yeah. it's like he uses a wide lux on, on his sets and and i just i wanted to kind of capture that and and mm -hmm. i bought it and it's an amazing camera produces amazing images but it has a wind on that's that kind of has a serrated um finish to it so when you wind the film back you end up just with blisters on your fingers oh, and, and it's just not the, it's not it's not the best designed camera so i sold it and i've kind of regretted regretted that ever since i sold it because it was a great a great camera and i thought i'd made a good return on it until everyone got interested in film photography again and and then now they, they, go for they like, went through the yeah. roof I, a, a few years ago i bought a nashika um 3d uh 3d camera the one with the four, uh, four lenses and i bought it for 10 pounds off of ebay and now they're like 500 pounds yeah so and they're a really basic camera it's like yeah like it's crazy yeah. it's crazy how things change and like how like certain cameras that like to us are really basic really simple functions but they're just so popular and it's yeah. just like which celebrity has bought this camera now and like yeah. showed it on Instagram and now everyone wants one and yeah. like the prices of hikes or whatever like you know like obviously the 
there's the contacts um is it the g2 i think that's really popular i think zendani used it or something zendana zendaya whatever her name is like some young celebrity <laughs> um and do you tend to do refurbs on on things like that because you know there's often been these conversations about like you say like the price of these particular you know trend trending cameras or what have you and it's like then they they just tend to break you know because they they've got their little electronics inside mm -hmm. and and not particularly you know well they're a bit not particularly robust i suppose you know yeah. for yeah. a long period of time do you work on those kinds of cameras as well like if we've, we were um, find one or not no. we've never had them in okay. because like even <laughs> even spares or repairs is really expensive yeah. <laughs> to yeah. have in so like it's kind of like it's when we get cameras in that we haven't had before like uh you know it's it's having the experience of working on them so we just haven't had the experience of working yeah. on those particular cameras yeah. if people come to us for that then we send them to Piero because yeah. <laughs> he's done loads of them so yeah and then it might be something that like it, it's like anything when you open it up you start to realize like after you've done quite a few that most things do work the same and so you recognize you know the functions of things um mm. but it's that's not one that we yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I I love that you've got you know some some really kind of like classic oh yeah i i've seen that in the charity shop or something or I, you know my, my um, dad's got one of those somewhere in the back of a drawer or what have you you know for people who maybe haven't haven't really got into film photography um yet seeing that sort of thing that kind of camera on your website they could be like oh yeah this looks familiar you know it doesn't feel scary yes. no it feels quite like accessible in that sense which yeah. you talked about being accessible um but i think a big part of that is also about it being visible as like not a scary looking camera or like a, i would have no clue where to start with that like mm -hmm. it's a point and shoot you know it's like mm -hmm. pick it up put a battery in off you go kind of thing yeah um, so i like and, and that's that's yeah. intentional um as well mm -hmm. like we, we definitely have focused on um accessible cameras cameras that are easy to use like we do we do have some cameras from time to time that like are kind of more for people that have experience but mm -hmm. generally our market is um beginners in film photography or people that maybe have had a digital slr mm -hmm. and want to move on to mm -hmm. film photography so they have a bit of experience yeah. um but they just need a bit of guidance in in like mm -hmm. the, you know so it will usually be things like you know the move out the way <laughs> <laughs> it will usually be things like like the um warm, though it's the cat in case the listeners are wondering what is going on um, <laughs> yeah. the biggest cat in the world or it's he's, very he's massive yeah <laughs> he's huge he's like a small dog like he, we always get comments on that he's very big um yeah so like you know like om10s or something like or the you know the kind of like the semi sort of auto uh slrs that you can get like uh canon a1 programs or monotorite mm. x 700s or you know there's there's a wide variety of them so we we generally tend to stock cameras like that which yeah, do you like, find you just what we know sorry dan. that too yeah, yeah. <laughs> what was that i'm sorry dan i, I... said so, we, we we've tended to stick with what we know and you know like we, we know we uh, at this point we know the, the cameras that people are interested in buying from us yeah so we just um it makes it easier for us yeah like a lot easier it's yeah. like we know what you know we, we know what we're doing with them and we know that people are going to want to buy them so 
we're all right. We're all right not doing the kind of um, the prestige ones. The, yeah, yeah, the kind of high end. We've, we've actually in in the whole time that we've run the store, we've never sold an MJU, and it's a point of pride for us. Like, it's a point of pride for him. Well, like... it's a point of pride for me because I actually think they're really badly made cameras. Yeah, you hit, like we don't. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. they're, they're not good. Yeah, sorry. That <laughs> you mostly sell the trip. Is that kind of like the top selling yeah, kind of one? That you, or is it just that you, that's one that you really like and you've got quite a few of? Yeah, yeah. like it, they're just really easy to get in. It's it's ones. It's kind of it started being dictated by what people wanted from us more. Mm -hmm. So when we started stocking that that particular camera like we just noticed that they would never hang around for very long mm. and and also the olympus trip is is one of the easiest cameras to to repair as well um for anyone that wants to really get into that sort of thing yeah. it would definitely be the first one that we gave mm. someone if we had an apprentice that we'd have them work on um mm. and yeah it's just kind of happens like that that it's just it's one of those things like dan says like we we sit to what we know um and also because there are only two of us to keep it make it easy on ourselves mm we just we get the ones that we know that we can easily yeah. and quickly turn around um so get them back so, out yeah. and shooting again isn't it really yeah yeah exactly. with the olympus trip um the thing that I, i've got on olympus trip it's not out on the shelf and the reason it's not out on the shelf is because of that selenium meter and that's always the thing that worries me about not just the olympus trip but a lot of those yeah. um 50s 60s cameras it, that have got selenium meters Mm. If they burn out, or if, if they wear out, because that's what happens, isn't it? If they're just left out out of a out in the light for a long time, the selenium meter just conks out, and because the the trip is an automatic camera, is there anything that can be done about that? Is that something that can be repaired, or is it a case of okay, well, this one's got a duff selenium meter, so we were actually going to just... we're going to post a video soon, yeah. um, like a, just a, a brief video of like we at this point we have so many Olympus trip parts, and we have lots of we have lots of the selenium cells. Um, and uh, like taking them off of cameras that are, are faulty in other ways, and there's a there's a lot of soldering and um, and piecing cameras together and making little Frankenstein trips, I guess. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean we we ensure like when whenever we send them out, we have we have lens. Make sure that we we buy lens caps to put on them so that, yeah. that it protects it as much as we possibly can. Um, we give people like kind of tips on how to use it and how to to best maintain the camera and yeah. um yeah best practices with the camera so but it's essentially like it, it can't once it's broken it can't be repaired you just have right. to replace it so in order to preserve it you need to keep a lens cap on it i would say and and actually just any camera if you've got your battery still in it for some reason which you shouldn't you should take them out <laughs> um you should take them out of the camera just to avoid battery leakage and all that kind of stuff but if you do leave your battery in your camera like most people do keep your um, lens cap on because otherwise the light meter will be going all the time and that will mm. cause them to break. So, One thing that I saw on your shop, um, we'll, we'll wrap this up soon, but one thing I saw you got coming soon on your shop, and I, and I wonder whether this is going to be a thing that might be of interest to you, Claire, because I know you love your Super 8, but <laughs> Lensfair are going to start selling camcorders soon. Now, could you get into a mad 80s camcorder vibe yeah, going on here, Claire? We could get some great food. So what's going to be happening <laughs> with that? <laughs> So this is this is with a point of contention actually. <laughs> <laughs> We've started making some progress with it recently. We've had it coming soon for ages, and like, and it's just like we've not we've just not got round to it. But yes, we will be selling camcorders. We've got like a bunch of them. Like so, 
like uh, Sony Handycams and then uh, Dan also wants to do like Super 8s and things like that. And well, we've, yeah. we've got them in. It's just having the time to like test them and put them out. And we want to have enough quality stock when we launch yeah. it. So it's not just mm. a few. So, yeah. I, I actually, um, outside of Lensfair, I, I um, buy and uh, refurbish old Super 8 uh, eight millimeter projectors and um, editing, like editing stuff, and so um, so I'm I'm really keen on doing that, and I, I love Super Eight, and mm. I, I actually come initially I, I studied film, and I come from a filmmaking background, mm. um, so I like I, I came to photography because um, it was just t kind of too difficult to get at, at the point where I was studying it was too difficult to get. Um, people to consistently be on board with projects that you're doing so it's like yeah. photography I can just rely on myself to do that it's like you know um, I know it's like photography is a lonely profession and, and everything but I, I was quite happy with that but um, but yeah like uh, we're definitely going to be doing um, eight millimeter and um, and uh, yeah uh, some kind of more kind of modern camcorders as well so that that will be coming soon but we yeah. we, we haven't got a date for it <laughs> i think it will probably yet. be when we move into our shop we'll kind of uh get some help and help to get those sorts of parts of our coming soon because we've got a few on there <laughs> <laughs> things that are coming soon <laughs> The one, the one I'm particularly excited about is Alicia's um, portfolio, which is also oh, coming yeah. soon. What's going on, Alicia? <laughs> I clicked on the Instagram yeah. link and it's like, one, this Instagram page is closed, and two, there's like 20 pictures on there. Anyways, come on. Alicia. Yeah, no, I, I'm, I'm. Well, I think like we're probably both like Lensfair as a business, and also me personally, I'm notoriously bad at social media. Like we just it's like the time thing, like just not having enough time to post, like we definitely should be posting more. But yeah, again, my portfolio is coming soon. Um, <laughs> she has a really good I, portfolio, by the way. She's, yeah. just, she's just too nervous at the moment about sharing it, I think. I'm, I'm she needs work, to build up the confidence. Yeah, I'm working on building up the confidence and also working on building up more content. It's, um, it's more like web design and graphic design, actually. That's one of my many trades <laughs> that I do so like I've, I've been working on that and I've been working on a few um websites at the moment and uh when they're up I'll put that together and put mm. that out there, so yeah oh actually it leads into some a question I was going to ask which is obviously Lensfair it has you know grown so much more probably than it sounds like you were initially thinking it might be but does it leave any time for your documentary journalists journalistic kind of sensibilities and and you know kind of um wants as well you know you, do you still get to to explore that area as well um not as not as much as i'd like i think that the laptop battery is is um i i don't i can go and, i can go and have a look yeah sorry <laughs> just talk quickly um, <laughs> <laughs> Alicia, how about you? Um, do you still get chance to uh, to ex explore any of your um, documentary and journalists? So I am. Um, I actually stopped doing uh, photography as a as a career like <laughs> a while ago. So it's more just like a, a personal thing that I do. And, and like Dan says, I don't share enough of my work. I have twenty photos <laughs> on my Instagram, so <laughs> or something like that. But um, but then kind of like in my personal time outside of photography as a hobby um i like i say i've been doing the graphic design and, mm. and kind of moving more into like web design like i made our 
um, website and I've done all of the graphics for Lensfair. Yeah. So everything is is something that I've done. So that, that'll be part of my portfolio as well. Um, but yeah, I do try and make time for that. Um, mm -hmm. I'm just gonna plug this in, sorry. <laughs> it's flashing at me. <laughs> It's always worrying when your computer starts flashing at you. They normally oh. have to pay extra for that. Hopefully, we don't lose spares and repairs for the uh, for the laptop. That <laughs> I'm just waiting for the cat to come back. It, honestly, for a second there, I was like, "Hang on, has my cat wandered into their screen?" Because like, wait, who's here? Because my cat is similarly massive and fluffy. He, he's already. You gone. could do that. So you could do something like that. Because from my point of view, you guys are next to each other on the screen. So like, I've got Graham on the left. I've got Graham, and then Dan, and then a leaf shift. You could get your cat. Just yeah. out. Actually, to walk out of mine into yours. That'd be pretty great. Um, so, how about you, Dan? Are you guys all plugged in now? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Great. Um, so, Dan, how about you? Have you had chance to um, to take on any more documentary or journalistic well, work? Actually, yeah, funnily enough, this morning I, I did my first um, paid job for the, what is it, since the middle of 2020? Yeah. So right at the very beginning of, um, of, of lockdown, just after we launched, I, I ended up doing a small project just on my daily walks around, um, mm -hmm. around our little neighbourhood in Nottingham. And um, and ended up getting published in in a few places um, from that. So I just I went around and did a, a massive collage of gloves that were just found within a one mile radius mm. of of, yeah. uh, of our house. And then um, so that was the last paid work that I did. And then we just kind of went all in with with lens fair. And then today I I did a, a small job just over in Leicester that was uh, photographing a um, a stone printing workshop so it's not not the sort of um stuff that i i'd normally be doing but i'm kind of happy just to get out and and be um be shooting again and it was actually just a really nice morning and um getting to see this this process of uh, kind of like ancient craft of uh, of stone printing was um was how does that work so, does anybody else know what stone printing is or is this yeah, just me no it's like potato printing but with stones right dan yeah yeah <laughs> so <sort of>. it's basically <laughs> It's basically, um, as far as I can work out, it, um, it, it's ba uh, you you etch into a stone or do a drawing in into like a, a smoothed off slab of stone, yeah. and then you etch into it with acid, and then you put ink in that, and then you, um, and then you put paper on top of that, and then you run it through a press, and it's just like a yeah, like a, a printing process. Um, okay, yeah. But yeah, it's like a kind of like a a traditional craft that um mm -hmm. yeah this uh, uh, uh the leicester print workshop they're trying to kind of um pass it on from uh generation to generation keep that that whole process alive i guess so, and it was shot on film as well so yeah they want it specifically cool. to be shot on on black and white films so nice um so it was fun yeah I, like okay. a um did they approach you with that then dan or, or are you is that the sort of project that you go out to find no, I mean my background is much more. Um, uh, I guess um, like I, I like exploring subcultures, so kind mm -hmm. of more. I've, I've done a lot more kind of hard news stuff and mm -hmm. um, yeah, travel travel related stuff. So it's not it's not something that I would normally do, but I kind of I'm I'm keen to kind of get into more of of that sort of stuff, just because it's it's fun kind of watching people work and and yeah. and discovering processes and there's a bit of kind of education for me in the, in that whole process so mm -hmm. it was it was it was fun 
And I guess um, if like, you know, lockdown has taught us anything, then it's probably important to diversify <laughs> um, as much as possible yeah. and, you know, get more into commercial work and, and things. So, yeah. I've always sounded really interesting. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, it sounds cool. It sounds very cool. We should probably start to wrap up, I think. It's been a while. <laughs> the cat's definitely expressed it. It's been a really, really interesting conversation. Oh, wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Right. Well, time flies when you're having fun. Well, I have to say, yeah, uh, yeah, the listeners won't be aware of this, but I apologise to everybody on this podcast for all the domestic chaos I've had. I've had to move rooms. I've had to step away from the recording for a few minutes a couple of times, and now I'm in a room where I can just hear rain hammering down. So I don't know if that's coming through on the audio or not. Oh, I didn't. I didn't no. notice anything. No, I think we're okay. We've had cats. We've had batteries dying. We've had um, domestic chaos. We've had building work. <laughs> What's going on for you, Claire? Yours has been very quiet today. <laughs> it just started pouring down here as oh, well. <laughs> <laughs> Not really. Oh, well, I tell you, well, we, we probably should attempt an elegant exit then, should yeah. before yeah, the, the entropy stops mm. it for us. <laughs> it, so b before we go, though, um, anybody got any any news or any, uh, an, any other business or announcements to make? Graham, you often got a couple of things yeah, in your back pocket. Um, I don't. Let me just think very quickly. I mean, listen. You you ask me. I'm always going to think of some things. First off, I want to say um, just give another shout out about this because we only got one in last time um, from the wonderful Mike Gutterman. If anybody wants to do us a, a little intro recording for our Sunny Sixteen Presents shows, that would be great because at the beginning of every Sunny Sixteen Presents, we have our little logo bit. So all you have to do, you can do this on your phone. It's not hard. Just re record yourself saying Sunny Sixteen Presents. Do it sort of three times. We've got three different takes. And email that in to us at sunny16podcast at gmail.com. And also um, on the Sunny 16 Presents uh, theme, um, I think hopefully next week uh, we are going to have joining us uh, um, Emma Lloyd and Alex Heron, uh, who announced on, on Tinternet recently they are, that they are going to be bringing the Grainsplaining podcast to the Sunny 16 family of podcasts. This will be a new show that's going out on Sunny 16 Presents. Um, I, I don't know what to tell you to expect other than probably some a, a degree of chaos. I think it's going to be fabulous. So they're going to join us next week to talk about what they're going to be doing but two fabulous people um it's gonna be great and uh how often it's gonna come out and stuff like that i don't know but you know what you're just lucky to have him when it gets here so look <laughs> to that. i think that's well, it yeah. i think that's it okay well there we go all right well so uh well let's take it out then um we have been the sunny 16 podcast uh thank you very much to our special guest alicia dan have you enjoyed yourself guys we have We've had a great time thank you so thank you. much for it's inviting been a pleasure us. speaking with you thank i've just you. noticed oh. a really nice um sunset in the background of our, oh, yeah. our shop now so we're gonna have to, oh, yeah. gonna have to go and get a camera to yeah. take a picture of that <laughs> really nice <laughs> well before you go before you rush off can you remind our listeners once again um where you where people can come to see lens first up and other things that you'd be interested in sharing with them so uh, our website is www.lensfair.com and we are at Lensfair on Instagram and Facebook and just everywhere. Everywhere is at Lensfair. We're on Depop and Etsy as well. And it's um, F-A-Y-R-E, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. A play on words. <laughs> Which I love. It's great. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. All good. I, I have to say, having looked at your website uh, again today, um, I especially like the daisy 
camera that's nice i like the dates. <laughs> thank definitely you definitely good cool all right well i tell you what everybody it has been an honor and a privilege to present another semi 16 for you all uh we will play you out now with rachel's band rocker you can get their album promises mm -hmm. i should have kept and all good places on the internet and in fact as i often say it is a yardstick of whether or not it is a good place on the internet <laughs> if you can find that album there uh, uh, we'll be back next week with more fun and shenanigans and chaos and technical challenges and maybe some cats as well. Cats. Who knows? Yeah. <laughs> See you later, folks. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye. Bye. Bye.